We stood in silence, watching the crowd of red-robed figures. They ringed the circle of stone, all with their backs turned to the blaze of light. Each was garbed in thick crimson cloth that wrapped around their frames like a cast blanket, but I had no confidence they were human beneath. Their shapes were strange and askew, tilting too far forward, and though I could not see beneath their robes, I would swear a crowd of four feet poked the shadowy edges of each. A chorus of whispers were seething from the voids where the firelight failed. It was a callous and cold language they spoke, unknown to me. It crawled forth like worms, making slow way to where we stood, encircling our bones to reach our ears. A haunting cloud of dark ether made way from their shadows, though it managed only a short way before the fire interrupted it. We lingered there a long while, listener, and I'll make no pretense. We were at a loss. If this was the divide, then our friendly priest had quite undersold its appearance. I had expected a place of utter darkness and despair, and perhaps the despair part was seen here in the quiet words of these figures, but there was light aplenty to be found. The fire before us was not alone, but one of many that lined the further road. Lit in their ruby glow and filling the walls on either hand were crimson figures the same as those in our circle. They had varying shapes. Some were tall, some were short. Others were broad and a few were thin, but all had an unnatural look to them, and all sidled next to the stone walls as if their very words were meant for them. What should we do? I whispered to Nieder. I don't quite know, lad, Nieder answered. We stared a while longer, waiting for any sign that our strange speakers had any knowledge of our arrival. Yet, for as long as we watched, not a single hooded face turned, nor a crimson robe spin. Their endless whispers carried forth to none and no one. Suddenly, Nieder reached down to pluck a stone from the street at our feet, and without warning he tossed it into the middle of the road. I gasped, but it was too late to stop him. The pebble fell with a quiet clatter, and in the silence we had become accustomed to, it sounded like the falling of a mighty castle. I winced and braced, for surely these horrors would turn on us now, and our end would come. But our end did not come. The stone rolled into the center of the road, landing finally by the fire, and settled. The whispers continued unabated. Well, that gives me some hope, Nader said. I think we continue on. These fellows seem quite wrapped in their work. If we are cautious, they will leave us be. You sound far too sure of that, I said. I am, but what else will we do? Turn around? <laughs> I think not. Although, there is another road, if you prefer. It was quite dark that way. Yes, I remember. It was cold as well, but this way is warmer. I don't know. I don't like this. It feels dangerous. Kaelin, this is all dangerous, Nader said. If that is your barrier to entry, you have long passed the bar. True. But let's at least be quiet. I had no other intentions, Nieder answered. 
He was the first to step onto the road. I went after, chasing his shadow. Part of me expected an immediate and violent turn by our road friends, followed by a swift and terrible finality. But by the tenth careful footfall, I realized we were yet unknown. The crimson robes remained fixed on the walls, the doors, the iron grates, and the rubble. Were it not for their continuous haunting chanting, I might have forgotten they were there, so still were they. But the song of their voices came dripping ever from the edge of the road, refusing to be ignored. What are they saying? I whispered. Not a clue, lad, Nieder answered. I frowned. That sat ill with me, though I was not sure why. Perhaps it was Nieder's otherworldliness, which seemed to hide more than it showed, which led me to think he should have known everything of all dark knowledge and the creatures which walked within. But that was no doubt unfair. It did not help me understand this situation, though. These horrible speeches being given on all sides seemed earnest, perhaps even religious. Was that what they were? Was this a desperate plea to a false lord begging for relief from the plight of the dark and terror? Or perhaps they were begging for something else. A quicker descent of the last days to wipe away the world. I might have believed either, for as much as I wished to say that mankind was made of sterner stuff and willing to hold fast until the very end, I could yet remember my own days in Marhau and those who saw ways out of our realm. We drew on into the red shade of the street for a long while. It became quickly apparent that our robe companions were not mere visitors to this section of Ostwich, but instead the very rulers. For every road we turned down, and every road we spied on the left or right, was filled to its end with their ruby forms. Alongside them, at what I now realized to be perfect intervals, the red pyres burned. Some were fueled by furniture and carts, but others had nothing wooden in them, instead blazing upon fabrics and what I feared to be something that had been alive once. Too often I saw the ashen gleam of bones about the edge of the fire pits, and quickly I stopped looking too deeply, for I spied frames too small to be adults among the earliest. I began to wonder who and what had put them there. Was it these zealots at our side? Or were there other things to fear in the dark? Unseen forces that our whispering friends prayed to escape. Three long roads came and went. Six pyres slid by with them. During our walk, the chanting never ceased. However, I began to notice odd things amidst what was already an odd scene. Often, we were forced to pass before the face of a fire as there was nowhere else to go. The first couple we went by without a thought, but on the third, I happened to glance upon the far wall where my shadow grew suddenly out to giant proportions, overtaking the hunched forms of our choir. I beheld then the first change I would see of the robed figures. The ones over whom my shadow passed ceased immediately their prayers, and their heads, or what I presumed to be their heads, 
raised from the bowed station to look upon the wall where my form loomed. They did not turn, nor did they make a noise. But in that moment I felt fearful disquiet, for there was an eager nature to their hidden stance. They seemed to be looking for something. How could I know this, you may ask, listener? I can give no answer, only a deep knowing in my stomach. In the same manner one knows that a storm is coming despite no sound of thunder arriving in the sky. Thankfully, this horrible tension lasted only so long as my shadow touched theirs. As soon as I was past, the hooded figures bent low once more and resumed their odd praying. This was not the last strange thing I would find. Around the time we reached the second fire on the third street, I began to notice some of the shrouded faces were turned slightly. It was not much, only a barely acknowledged lean, like a mother who thinks she has heard her child up to mischief in another room but is not sure. I thought at first it was a trick of the light. The fire danced in varying strength along our way, and the shadows were cast not in uniform but drifted in the windless movement. Yet, as the fourth street came upon us, I realized that some of the figures were now turned nearly enough that if their eyes were not deep within, they might have spied us. There was no recognition from them, no cries of hate or hands reaching for hidden weapons, but I could not shake the sinking notion that something inhuman had its eye upon me. We turned down the fourth road and saw afar that a great crossroads was at hand. It was divided into six main roads and intersected by alleys between narrow buildings, with a mighty brick platform at its center to connect them all. Set about the platform in distances I guessed to be equal, sat twelve fires. Along the ring of the road, staring into the red glowing walls of the buildings, the figures stood enchanted. But here we found a newcomer to our journey. Upon the platform, entombed within a prison of rubble and mounted machinery, a massive thing stood. It appeared as a crow to my eyes, but with two legs like a man and a ridge of gray spines upon its back, akin to those of a swimming fish. Its eyes were blood-like and huge, seeping a viscous black fluid which poured down to the streets, drifting off in dark rivers to the various main roads, but they ended in shallow puddles. About the crow creature, a circle of our hooded companions stood, here and now locked arm to arm. They seemed to strain against an unseen force. To my eyes, it appeared as if they stood against the crow, and with their words locked this makeshift prison. But that was only a guess. For all I knew, this entombed creature was an ally of all good and holy, and they vile circus keeping it hostage. Neither, for his part, appeared perturbed by the crow. What is it? I whispered. Nieder stared a while longer without answering, thumbing his chin while his eyes jumped up and down in confusion. Finally, he shook his head. Nothing, nothing, just, just a memory is all, he said quietly. Crows are a common form for my kind, and, well, you get a bit put off when you see one in need. But I don't think this is an acquaintance of mine. What is your kind, exactly? 
I asked, finally breaching a question I had wondered for a long while. Oh, oh, I can't tell you that, Kaelin. Not out of secrecy. No, I, I simply don't know. I have forgotten. It is quite like I imagine a post and a fence will forget that it was once a tree, unless someone comes along to remind him. I am not a man, I can promise you that, but truly, I cannot recall if I was ever anything greater. And, unfortunately, no one has come along to remind me of what I am. He waved his hand, and we began to creep the long distance of the courtyard. We were making for the opposite end. There the fires and robed figures finally ceased, and a forbidding dark highway waited, visible only for the great color of the crossroads. We were heading back into darkness. But we had not quite made it. Our feet had only reached the center of the divide when the crow, who had been silent until now, seemed to suddenly become aware of us. Its fiery, bleeding gaze turned swiftly, fixing upon us with a remorseless hatred. Even though I did not see the first moment those eyes found me, I surely felt it. A cold wind blew over my heart, and the warmth of the fires bled away in an instant, leaving behind a frozen wasteland. The hooded figures, who had gone without stopping in their tiring rhythm for the entirety of our road, now as one stopped. There was a sound like rustling wind, but it was the fabric of a hundred feet twisting upon the stone. Every shrouded face turned to look upon us, two wandering travelers lost in a land not our own. We stopped. My foot halted in mid-stride. A drawn moment came down from the lightless sky, a heavy silence that settled tangibly upon us. The robe figures did not speak, did not whisper. They only stared, and above them, bleeding fresh rivers over the stone, the crow glared. I felt suddenly like an intruder who had burst unbidden upon a dinner party. I was not supposed to be there. I could feel it. It was being shoved on me by each hidden glance beneath the hood. A strong desire to run welled within me, but it did not seem to be my own. It was as if the very will of the figures was pressing on my back. I was unwelcome, unwanted. I needed to leave. Kaelin, let's keep moving, Nita whispered. I could not tell if he felt the same overwhelming spite of the crossroads, or if he had decided to go on despite them, but I did not argue. We continued to walk, albeit at a careful pace without sudden movements. The robed figures twisted and slid to watch us go. They never once left the spot they stood upon, but spun like the hinge of a door. The crow creature watched as well, but it did not spin, only its head twisted like that of an owl glaring its bloody hate as we fled in the slowest escape that was ever attempted. It felt like hours before we finally reached that far lightless road, but truly, it had only been a few minutes. With every unimaginable eye upon me, time seemed to lose its meaning. Even there, upon the threshold of darkness, they still glared, the only sound was the crackle of the many fires, but those even seemed muted 
like memories of something that had been that I was quickly forgetting. At last, we stepped beyond the glowing red line. Darkness enveloped us. As if a signal had been given, every staring eye spun at once to face the position they had been at when we arrived. The whispers began, a chorus flitting up the walls to crawl into the rafters. The crow resumed its place, facing the road we had left behind. Nita and I did not speak for some time. We were both shaken, I think. It had not been the most dangerous moment of this journey. Not for me, at least. But it had seemed the most ominous. My heart had only now begun to beat again, but frost was still on my fingertips. We entered into an utterly empty black. Behind us, we could see, for a time, the snapping glow of the fire at the crossroads, and hear the chanting crawling over top it. But at some point on the road, both ceased without warning. I don't know if my mind was busy at the time, wondering what other horrors would find us on the long path, or if some magic was involved, but at one step I recall hearing the haunting words of the hymn, and the next there was nothing. When I turned back, I could see only a void. There was no light at all. Yet, I found that comforting. Away from the hooded singers, I felt like I could breathe. My chest relaxed. My shoulders lost their tension. What was that? I wondered. Nothing good, Kaelin, Theodore said, taking an unusually serious tone. You say that as if you know, but you did not seem sure before, I said. Mm, yes, and I was truthful, but I have seen enough evil to know when someone, or many someones, are practicing it. That was all foul and loathsome, Market, and that crow. I thought it familiar at first, but the nearer we got, the more I recognized something else. There was a hungering deep in those eyes. A bottomless well that yearned for freedom. Woe to the world if it ever comes free. There is no salvation. Oh, was all I could manage. What did one say to that? Even the dourest preacher on his pedestal had never been so dire. Yes, oh, Nieder said. Come along. We should not linger. <sighs> we have passed the divide, at least, I said. And why would you think that? Nieder wondered. Well, I guess I just figured that was the end. No, lad, that was not the end. No, I remember that crossroads on the map. It had a distinct mark. Would have said it before, if we had not been in the presence of such foul company. But we have not reached the divide. We are about to. Should be just ahead, in fact. After that scare, though, I am not sure I am eager. If you are not eager, then I should be terrified, I said. Yes, you should, Nita answered solemnly. An uncomfortable quiet returned, but this one born of worry. We stepped lightly along the road, staying as close to the center as we could. I cannot say how, for I never saw anything to give aid, but I began to behold a grim gray light over everything, 
as if the moon was out somewhere in the world but far away, so that only the fringes of its white hair could reach us. The part of the city we entered now was very similar to the one we left behind, high stone and rigid, buildings that could have been pasted paintings pulled down from the places in the roads we had just passed. But I saw here unnerving signs. Windows were shattered and cast aside, doors hung loose on hinges or were torn entirely off, and high places were often crumbling in ruin or looked to be upon the verge of it. Worse, however, were the things I thought I spied within the fallen homes. It was impossible to be sure in the dim glow, but I thought I could see, looking out from shadowed places, the faces of citizens. They appeared as men and women, but I wish almost that they had not. If they had been monsters, then at least I would have known what they were, evil things hoping for my soul, but that is not what I saw. Their skin was pallid and soiled, or perhaps rotted, I, I could not tell. Their eyes, if they had any, were dark and empty, and their mouths hung slack upon their faces. But they were surely human as I am. They had the same frame, the same build, and dare I say the same desperate longing to be free. They never spoke, but I could feel it. I could feel it like a cloud that hung over everything. A thin mist above the stone. There were not nearly as many of these figures as the ones we had left behind, but they seemed to crowd every window, one or two to a station, or else stand in the rubble atop the homes looking down from the edge of the harshest dark. Some stood on the thresholds of the broken doorways, their gangly skeletons like a shadowy wire in the gloom. Neither saw them as well. I could tell, for he began to swivel his head while we walked, and shake it often in pity. I wondered what he saw. Were these ghosts? A remnant of an older day when the city of Oswich thrived? Or perhaps they were just men and women like me, only cursed by the city, doomed to this dark, lightless ending. Of course, there could be nothing at all. It could just be a trick of my eyes. This land was seductively confusing, tempting away my mind to one place and placing a horror beside me the next. But I resolved there not to find out any more of these ghouls in the hollows. There had been enough ills to my journey, and if these were content to sit and watch quietly, I would allow them and ask no further, even if I dearly wished they would turn away. Perhaps they were not used to seeing the living so far in their domain. That last question lingered with me, and I began to wonder just how many like me had gone into a similar place. Not this place, not a dark roadway filled with ghosts, of course, but a hopeless land, led by a stranger, themselves the last hope of the age, and not one of them having ever succeeded. A bitter hopelessness began to gnaw at my chest. How could I hope to be different? Thankfully, I could not linger long on the question. The road suddenly descended on a long hill. The pale light, which had guided us on so far, 
vanished swiftly down its face, becoming a deep pit, which at first I thought to be a cloud. So thick was the void, but I soon realized it was an empty gap. The road disappeared, and beside it the crumbling houses and railings. We were staring over a vast divide, roiling in black fog. Here we are, Leader said. This is the divide, Kaelin. We have almost done it. Only the hardest part to go. 